Okay, we began, uh, we began a new series called Upgrades just recently for the new year. Last week, we talked about Bible study, getting our diet right. This week, we're going to be talking about prayer and upgrading our prayer life. So I want everyone to quickly turn to your neighbor and pray for each other. No, I'm just kidding. You don't really have to do that. But we all have experienced awkward prayer moments, potentially some really good prayer moments, but some awkward ones. So we're going to intro the message with this funny video. A guy has a story very similar to that. I remember going to church as an adult, right, for the first time when I started going to church. And I would walk in, and the pastor was like, he said, I want you to pray with your neighbor. And I'm like, well, my neighbor don't go to this church. I don't know. You, you want me to call my neighbor on the phone? That's creepy. I ain't going to do that. Right, then they explained to me, right, your neighbor is a person sitting next to you. Listen, I'm brand new at this Christian stuff. I don't not. I didn't even know you're supposed to pray out loud, let alone with this lady. I don't even know this lady. What am I supposed to pray about? Lord, help these bumps go down on this lady's face. I don't know what I'm supposed to pray about. I don't know what I'm supposed to pray about, right? She went first. She was praying all good. and She must have been John the Baptist's little sister or something. <laughs> She was like, dear Heavenly Father, you said in your word in the sixth chapter, the third, third verse of the book of Matthew, the 601st word on page 1248. <laughs> Lord, you said, but seek. S is a search. E is in everywhere. E is an excellent. K is in kingdom. <laughs> You're the Alpha, Nisi, Jehovah, Jireh, Jehovah, Rapha. I'm thinking, man, she even know his nicknames. Now, it's my turn to pray, right? But I don't got the spiritual vocabulary to just, but I'm not going to let her out pray me. So I'm like, okay, God, first of all, you are good people. You know, you are good, Lord. You are good. You are good to the last drop, Lord. Because, um, Lord, I, I just got to obey my thirst, Lord. You know, because choosing moms choose Jesus. So, Lord, because... You know, as the, rec- as the rocket's red glare, Lord, it gave proof to the night, Lord. I believe I could fly, amen. Oh, man. It's okay to have a little fun in church, guys. Send me the angry emails. I'm good. No, <laughs> that was a good time. I think uh, I love that because... It articulates something that maybe we all feel at some time and some level in our core. Do we really understand what we're doing here and how do we how do we do it? And so this series I'm I'm really excited about. We've called it Upgrade. And uh, the idea is, is we launch into a new year and we set goals and we we look at the things and areas of our life and say, what is it going to take to upgrade this, to hit the next level? And so last week we we did talk about our diet and getting into the word. And I invited you guys to go on a a 21 day challenge. We talked about 21 days to build a habit and uh, to just get into the word every day for for 21 days and and see if that doesn't begin to change your life. And if you haven't had a chance, you can jump in right now. We're 14 days to go. And uh, please just jump in with us. And uh, excited to do that. And this week, uh, I, I kind of jokingly was like, uh, do you even list? <laughs> and those of you who have been in the gym culture at all know that that's a funny way to just tease each other. And, uh, and uh, when are we talking about lifting today? I'm talking about lifting our prayers up to heaven. And so I'm asking the question, hey, do you even lift? 
today. Do we pray? Uh, and uh, it's pretty funny. I was thinking about prayer and how important it is. And I was doing a little bit of research and I found this survey. It's an older survey. Uh, it was from 2002. So I'm just giving honest with you, which I don't know if that means we're doing better or worse since then, but that's when the survey happened. But it was talking about pastors and things that they admitted as far as uh, their relationship with the Lord. And so, and if you're not aware, um, I'm a pastor, so I fit into this category. And uh, this is what it said, some, some staggering statistics. And I'm, I'm assuming this, it didn't say, but I'm assuming this was anonymous because it looks like people were really honest. Um, 95% of pastors admitted they do not regularly pray with their spouse. 95%. That's... Almost all. I'm not a math wizard, but that's a high number. 80%, also a high number, surveyed said that they spend less than 15 minutes a day in prayer. 80%. 70% said the only time they spend in prayer and in the Word is when they're studying or preparing for sermons. Whoo! Those are the pros. The professionals being candidly honest about a gap in the perception of their life and the reality of their life. And so what occurred to me is that this is an area that we can all look pretty good in in the outside without actually genuinely doing in our day to day life. And that terrified me. Because I want to believe the best about folks that tell me that this is what their life's like. But I don't know that I have a thermometer to really measure this, right? I mean, if you tell me you do a ton of crunches and you got this, I can be like, nah, (laughs) probably not, right? Probably not. Come on. But you tell me that you're praying, that's hard for me to evaluate as easily. So I was thinking about that. I was thinking about whether or not people really pray. And I was thinking about how I bet even if you have a background that doesn't involve prayer, you probably pray at least a little bit. Let me give you an example of a time I think you pray. You're driving down the road, and all of a sudden you hear, whoop, whoop. And you look in the rearview mirror, and there's some lights flashing, right? Even if you don't know what to do with prayer, you have found a moment where you most likely pray. Right? How about this? You're driving through the parking lot, pick on driving for a minute, and you can't find a spot. You're like, I'm a prayer warrior. Jesus, give me a spot. Right? Those are those moments that we pray. How about this? Doctor says, hey, we need to talk. I have your results. Jesus, I'm a prayer warrior. So even if you fall into a camp and you say, well, I don't really pray that much. I'm willing to bet you pray at least a little bit, at least a little bit. Even if you fall into a camp and say, well, I don't really know how prayer works. I bet you pray at least a little bit. I remember when I first started on my journey with Jesus, I had no clue how prayer worked. I had no clue why we would pray. But I went to a church service and I heard about prayer and I thought, well, let's try this out. I'm about 14 years old. I make sure there's nobody around. I'm in my backyard. And I'm like, all right, God, I don't know how this works, but make it rain. 
right? I'm just like, let's try it out. What does prayer do? Does it work like that? God, one drop on my hand. Just one. Just, right? But how does prayer work? And I think sometimes we either pray or we don't pray because we don't understand how prayer works and what prayer is intended to do. And so some of us would say, we pray like crazy. We're talking to God every moment of every day. And there's like a running dialogue of, hey, God, I hope my coffee's not too hot. And, hey, God, I hope there's not a long line over here. And, hey, God, this. And, and we have like, like, can I just say like diarrhea of the mouth when it comes to prayer? We're just nonstop, like, whoa, just running our mouth all the time. And we have no expectation. God may or may not do anything, but we're not sure what it's going to be. And some of us are like, I am not praying. That's reserved for the professionals. And, you know, and some of us are like, well, I tried it once, you know, and I put my hand down and the the raindrop didn't hit. And so I didn't, you know, I didn't go anywhere after that. (laughs) So we run this whole scope of where we are when it comes to prayer. And so I got to be honest with you, as I was in just my, my preparation I had, you know, everything kind of laid out of where, where, where I felt like the Lord was taking me. And then I realized I don't have a message on prayer. I have like a long series on prayer. That, and so we're going to dive into prayer in, in very great length at some point and spend some time just walking through because there's so much. Here's what's cool. This book is chock full of people who prayed and God showed up. And he did something, and we can learn from the promises in their experience. Like we learned last week, we can learn from their experiences. And so we're going to learn from their experiences, and we're going to get into that, and we're not going to uh, 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 miss all of that good stuff that we're entitled to because we missed it in here. So we will do all that. But then I was aware that there's a game today, and I was told that if I preached four sermons in a row that maybe you guys would never come back again. And so, <laughs> so we're going to do one <laughs> today. But be aware that I know a couple things going into this. One is depending on where you're at with this, you have some probably strong uh, thoughts and some strong leanings, and I may or may not get all the way to where you're at with that today, but I think I can get somewhere because what I decided to do is I'm just going to land on when Jesus talks to us about how to pray. And, uh, and when the master's teaching, I think we can just all agree that, okay, let's pay attention to what he says. And so we're going to land there in just a minute. But it's, it's funny because I remember thinking that prayer just didn't work for me, but it must work for somebody else. And since it didn't work for me, I'm competitive. And when I'm not good at something, I just don't do it. It's kind of how it works, right? If I'm not good at it, then I just don't do it. Because why would I do something I'm not good at? I'll only do things that I'm good at. And that's my nature. And so it kind of reminded me when I was first going to church, the, the gal that invited me to church, her and her mom actually invited me uh, to go to a driving range and hit golf balls. Now, I had never hit a golf ball before. I had hit baseballs. And I could swing hard, and I assumed that that would translate into hitting a golf ball. And so I figured as long as I can – I mean, I'm, come on. I'm with a, a mom and a teenage girl. Like, it's not going to be a problem. I'm going to be awesome at this, right? If they're doing it, I'm going to be really good at this. And I go to the driving range, and I watch what they're doing. I don't have equipment or anything. I'm just hanging out with them. And they're just stepping up, and they're just like, shh. And they've taken lessons and done their stuff. They have their little outfits. I mean, they're just ready to go. And I'm in my, you know, my jeans and my baseball shirt. And I'm like, all right, put this ball up here. And I load up, and with everything I have in me, I swing just like I would swing at a slow-pitch softball with everything I have in it, and it's just no contact, (laughs) full spin around, and I was like, whoa, who moved that thing? (laughs) Who did that? After about 15 minutes, I threw the club, kind of flicked it, not like a bat flip of pride, but like a this is dumb, 
And I didn't play golf again until I was in ministry, like well into my 20s, right? (laughs) Now I love the game. But why? Because I wasn't good at it and it didn't work. And I assumed I knew how it worked. And since I assumed I knew how it worked and it didn't translate and others could see, I was out. And I'm afraid that sometimes we take that approach into our relationship with God. I'm not good at that part. I don't have the prayer thing down. There's some people who are good at it. Some people have the gift. I've watched them. They come up here. They grab the microphone, and it's just like they're erudite, right? Their language, their spiritual vocabulary, like, like, like the guy said, is just impressive and amazing. And that's a different thing than what I do. I don't do that thing. I do something else. So we give ourselves permission to not pray. I can remember I was... Uh, doing a, a, a group of guys, and we were doing our devotions together. And we would pray. We were at Starbucks, and uh, it was, you know, one of those 6 a.m. men's groups. And, you know, there was about five of us, and we'd sit at a table, and we'd talk a little bit about life, and then we'd get into the Word. And then we'd always pray. And one of my, one of my guys, I remember him really early on kind of leaning over to the side. He was like, just so you know, I, I, I'm never going to do that part. So you guys can pray, but I'm, I'm not a guy who prays out loud like that. So don't ever ask that of me. And, uh, and I just remember thinking, wow, I, I, it hadn't even occurred to me that you would feel like you don't have that skill set, so you don't want to do it. Because I don't think that way. I don't think like, that you have to be an eloquent, because I didn't put it in the same category. But then I realized it, it, I would feel that way too. I don't want to do that if I'm not good at it. If I'm around someone who's really good at it, I'm like, hey, you do the thing you're really good at, but I'm not going to do that. You just keep doing the thing you're good at every time. I remember what a big deal it was for me the first time that, that he prayed. It was simple. It was powerful. It was honest. It was awesome. So it occurs to me that we run this gamut. Some of us are confident and experienced in this. Some of us have tremendous vocabulary. Some of us had got into the word and heard things like pray without ceasing and first. Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 5, 21, whatever it is, um, 16. Um, <laughs> it's either 5, 16 or 5, 17. Anyways, we're like, yeah, I pray continually all day long. And some of us are like, I pray in crisis. I don't pray. And so what is this thing that we need to upgrade? And does it even matter? And what does the master say? So if you have your Bibles, you can follow me so that you know I'm not making this up. I'll put it up on the screen. And I'm going to get us into Matthew, the book of Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is about to teach on prayer. As he does in, I think, Luke's account of this, uh, in Luke's account of this, he articulates that one of the disciples actually asks and says, Lord, teach us to pray. And I think it's interesting that the disciples ask uh, Jesus to teach them to pray because he doesn't say, the disciples don't say, hey, Lord, teach us to preach. They don't say, hey, Lord, teach us to win the loss, what to say. Give us clever words for that. They never, they never are recorded asking any of those questions, but they do ask Jesus to teach them to pray. Why? Because there was something about when Jesus prayed that change happened on earth. Power seemed to happen on earth, and it was challenging to them. Because they'd been in environments with people who got into the word and spoke prayers, but nothing had changed. But when Jesus prayed, something happened. Things changed. And so the disciples asked him, how to teach us to pray? I think it's interesting to think about that. But I'm in Matthew chapter 6, and in Matthew's account, 
I'm going to get to verse 5. Jesus talks about how to pray. Now, what's interesting is in a moment, I'm going to get to some of the most familiar passages in the Bible, other than maybe John 3.16, that, that you've ever seen. I'm going to get there in a minute. But before I get there, I think we need to get into the preamble just a little bit of Jesus talking about pray, prayer. Because he says, and when you pray, right off the bat, he assumes you're going to do something. What is it? Yeah. Right? He doesn't assume you're not going to pray. He assumes right off the bat that you're going to pray. And he starts off with saying, don't be like the hypocrites. Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> Thanks for setting the bar that high, at least, right? <laughs> don't be like the hypocrites. He says, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, read in front of church where everyone can see them, and on the street corners. Why? To be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. Hold that right there. What is he saying? He's saying, hey, there's a way to pray that is absolutely ineffective at bringing heaven to earth. There's a way to pray that doesn't work. Don't be like those hypocrites. If your prayer time is about making sure everyone knows that you're praying, good job. Everyone knows you're praying. That's accomplished. Mission accomplished. Right? You've accomplished. So maybe your prayers did work. They just have nothing to do with heaven intersecting earth. They have everything to do with you demonstrating that you are articulate or erudite or faithful or that you have some mannerisms that you're like, hey, look how spiritual it is because my hand shakes when I reach towards you when I pray. I don't know what it is. I'm, I don't, I, 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 I'm just speculating, whatever it is, right? But if that's what you're going for, congratulations, you can hit that target every time. It's just nowhere close to Jesus. It's nowhere close. So Jesus, now I love this because there are folks in here that I believe could pray me under the table. So I'm not even like trying to put, I, I'm learning this with you as we sit at the feet of the master, okay? I, I want to just be honest because there's some of you in here who probably are thinking, seriously, like I get prayer. What are we talking about here? You got it. But when Jesus says, this is what you should do, I think maybe all of us can go, okay, well, I'll give you at least a shot, pastor. So, so just give me a shot with this, okay? And, and, and here's Jesus saying, if the point of your prayers is for people to know that you're praying, good job. You accomplished it in sarcasm, right? You managed to get your goal. Now, what you were hoping else might be accomplished, I'm not even sure if you were hoping those things would be accomplished as much as it is just I'm happy that people know that I'm praying. Now, there's a lot of places I can go with this that would be totally offensive and also true, but I'll just leave out there that many times we say things so that people will believe about us certain things are true, like I'm praying for you or I'm praying for that place where that thing happened, and we're not actually doing that. We just want people to know that we thought that it was appropriate for us to say that we were, okay, now some of you are with me, and some of you are, so I'll just move on. Okay, so he says, that's your reward. Congratulations. Done. So now let's see what Jesus says that we should do. Not just how we should true, but what we should do. He says, but when you pray, verse 6, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who's unseen. Let's stop right there. Jesus says, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, 
and pray to your father. Why does Jesus care where we pray? Does he care? Why does he start with where? That seemed bizarre to me as I was studying this. Seriously, Jesus, why does where we pray matter? Isn't it pray continually? That's all I know, right? Shouldn't I just make sure that I'm all day long praying somewhere uh, as I'm walking around through the street, as I see people, and I want to be full of prayer. I want to live a life full of prayer. But Jesus says, no, no, no. When you pray, go somewhere into your room, close the door, and spend time with your father. So, I didn't like that, to be honest with you. So I was like, all right, how about this? Show me, Jesus, where in the Bible you did that. Where did you go into a room, close the door, and spend time with your father? And it's not even anywhere that I could find in the scriptures. And I used, like, the internet and everything. Right? <laughs> I wikipedia it. Like, I was in there. I'm like, where did Jesus go into a room, close the door, and pray? And I couldn't find it. So if you find it, and you know, you're, maybe you're better at Greek than me, and you could just somehow pull that out. But I couldn't pull it out. So I realized that he wasn't necessarily, this couldn't have just been literal, or he would have done this, and we would have recording that he did this all the time. But the principle in here is literal, that there has to be a time. Because what did Jesus do? We know. He got up early in the morning. He went off somewhere on the side of a mountain. And I guess if he wasn't living indoors, then that's the next best thing. But he got somewhere alone with God quietly and he prayed it didn't just say as he was walking from town to town he was constantly in a state of prayer and he was praying continually and everyone that walked through just overheard him talking to the father it says no he intentionally got up and he went somewhere and he got alone with the father and he prayed now i'm grateful that he says this because i'm not an outdoorsy guy i like to be indoors and it's cold and it rains here a lot and so I'm happy that he didn't say, you have to get up, go out to the wilderness, and pray, right? So I think this is mercy that God worded it this way for me personally, and I don't know how you feel about that. But, but, but he was clear that location matters. Now, for some of you, this is just messing with your whole paradigm, and so I'm going to bring it to, to uh, 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 make sense in our, in our everyday lives, okay? Jesus is not saying you can't pray all the time and spend time with God. What he is saying is there is clearly a distinction between that and getting up, going into your room, closing the door, and spending time with your father. Here's how I know there's a distinction. I'm married. Okay? And we have these wonderful devices in our pockets, many of us, and I can literally continually be in conversation with my wife. And you know how that conversation goes? Hey, how are the kids doing? Great. Cool. Do you need anything? Good. No. Do you need me to stop by the store? I'm going to be running over here. Yeah, sure. I got that. Do you, I'm at the store. Do you want me to pick anything up? Yeah, I'll pick that up. Hey, what time are you going to be over here? Okay, I'll be there too. Hey, is everything okay? Does the car need gas? Does it have stuff in it? Or we're good? Yeah, cool. And we're in conversation. We can be in conversation all day long. All day long. Continual conversation. Continual conversation. All day long. And then I come home and I sit on the couch and I'm three feet away from the person I love most on the planet, and I don't know anything about what's going on with her. But I've been around her all day long, conversationally. But I don't know anything about what's going on in her heart, in her day, in this moment. Let me just say, we do the same thing with God. 
We're in constant communication. Hey, I need a parking spot. Right? We're driving. Ladies, I watch you. You're putting your makeup on while you're driving with your phone on your knee and you've got your elbow in there. And, and I hope you're talking. I'm talking to Jesus when I'm driving next to you. I'm like, please, God. But you're probably also talking to Jesus, right? And that's happening. It's all day long. We have the ability to have contact with Jesus, right? All day long, we're talking to him. You know, God, thanks for the food. You know, hey, help this thing goes well. I really need a, a parking spot. Lord, please let me get down Meridian in less than two hours. Like, whatever it is. All day long, we're in conversation with God. And that's great. You should do that. And you can do that and not be connected intimately to the heart of God at all. And not know his heart. And not know your father. So Jesus starts very simply saying, hey, when you do this thing, it is more than just, you know, checking in. It's you intentionally go where you won't be distracted, where you'll be alone, and you close the door, and you say, Father, I am here. What can I do? Where are we at? How's it going? That's insanely different. That's incredibly different. If you don't catch anything else, like that's the whole thing. Did you catch that? That's the whole thing. We'll get practical about how to do it and, 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 and stuff. But he just says, if you do that, then you hit it. Don't be like a hypocrite and, and, and just be worried about being in front of everyone else. Do something. Pra- and then this is amazing. Then your father, who is unseen, and I love that he's just practical and he's like, I get it. You're in the room and, without seeing anybody and that's weird and it's like, what, you know, what am I doing here? But he's like, your father, who is unseen, he's just practical, will see what is done in secret and will, this is amazing, reward you. That's amazing. Now, some of you are thinking, wait. As soon as I get home, I'm going to go in my room, close the door, because you just told me this is how I get God to do what I want, right? He'll reward me, right? Go in my room, close the door, and be like, God, I need you know, a Ferrari, whatever it is. But <laughs> whatever it is, that's not what he's talking about. It doesn't say, then your father who sees what is done in secret will, you know, be manipulated by you. That's not, that's not what happens there. But he'll reward you. Now, here's what I know. You know somebody, maybe it was a grandmother who's prayed like Jesus is talking about. And if you were to ask them, are there rewards to getting alone with God? They would say, yeah, this is what they look like. Right? You know somebody. This is what he's talking about. There's rewards. There's rewards. Jesus goes on to say, and when you pray, don't keep babbling. Some of us are babblers. Like the pagans. For they think that they will be heard because of their many, we went too far, words. He says, hey, you don't have to babble. You don't have to babble. You don't have to get into, you, so you get along with Jesus, you get along with God, and he, we're getting to be family, right, right? It's like, all right, God, I know I messed up, so I'm sorry. No, no, I'm so sorry. No, I'm so incredibly god I'm, I'm sorry and we go in this like like this cycle of of trying to somehow impress god by how authentic we can be but really we're just babbling i think he's got it right he's got it that doesn't mean if god's pressed on your heart that you should never just spend the time you need to spend he's just saying that there's not a program of time that makes you more spiritually sensitive or connected to the father it's not math 
It's personal. Okay? So stop babbling and try to be impressive with your words. Don't be like them. Now, this is, we talked a little bit about this already. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Do you think God doesn't know what you need? Some of you are like, well, what are we asking him for? Don't worry. If you're asking that, you're actually asking the right question. That's a good question. Your father already knows what you need. You know, isn't that crazy? Why would the God of the universe say, go into your room and close your door and ask me for what I already know that you need? Seriously, God, what is up with that? Great question. Phenomenal question. And he answers it. He says, so this then is how you should pray. And he goes on to do what we have all heard. Now, here's what you should catch. This isn't a formula, like a magical chant. And so there's not a, uh, I'm going to be careful how I word this. When I say our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's amazing, and it's praying what Jesus prayed, and you should do that. But he's not saying you should only say this, or we would have every time Jesus prayed, he would say this. And that's not what he did every time that he prayed, right? And so I'm just trying to – I want you to understand what he's trying to establish is a structure of approaching the God of the universe who already knows who you are and what you need. How do you converse and spend time with him? Because you see it's about intimacy and closeness with the Father. So he says, our Father, who art in heaven. Well, let me see what it says in the NIV. <laughs> our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, there's two things here that are just crazy amazing to catch. One, he personalizes God right off the bat. He doesn't say the Father. He says our Father. He says you're my Father. When we get up, and we get alone, and we close the door, understand you're addressing the God and the Father who loves you and knows you. And then, hallowed be thy name, holy is your name. Do you know the implications of just addressing God as holy and acknowledging how holy he is? When we start acknowledging that God is holy, we have to start acknowledging that we're not. And we're trying to be in the same space as holy. Let that sink in for a second. If it's over your head, I'll bring it, I'll bring it down. We're trying to get into the same place as holy without contaminating holy. Ouch. Let's just acknowledge God is perfect. He's good. He loves us and he's holy. And we're saying we want to be in the presence of of that holiness and we want to get into that space and just start unloading all the things that we need and we're not aware that when you do that you have now invited that holiness to cohabitate with our stuff and the things that's in us is going to start coming up really really quick ever get into the the moment where you're trying to pray and you're like god what i really need to do is I, i just need to see this this person at work get their act together so god and you start like with that agenda and as soon as you start getting in the presence of God, it's like, oh, man, my heart's really bad. Like, no, no, God, I don't want to deal with my own heart. I want, they're the problem. I need to pray for Ryan to get his stuff together because if his heart would just get better, and I'm trying to pray for Ryan's heart because I love my brother right here. I want his heart to be right, but I'm trying to pray for his heart. But instead, God's like, what about you? What is that? 
That's holiness getting close to our unholiness, starting to surface the stuff in us that can't cohabitate with his holiness. Did you catch that? That was pretty good. Your kingdom come, your will be done. I don't know if I'm going to get all the way done with this. Man, you guys can come up because I want to be respectful of time. But can I just, can I just, I'm going to say this, and I I don't know if I'll make this make sense. I really hope it makes sense because I want you to hear it. What happens when we pray is we invite heaven to interfere with earth. Okay? It isn't we present our wish list to God or our submission of our demands to God and expect that he'll do what we want him to do. That's not what prayer is about. Prayer is about saying, God, you come into this circumstance and make it like heaven right here in what I'm dealing with on earth. Now, I, I, without going too far, God, do you understand God gave us dominion of the earth way back in Genesis? He said, you guys run this thing. You start naming animals, you guys are in charge, and you've got this. He gave us, like, free will and, and all this amazing uh, truth about just what he gave us the earth. And when we pray, we say, hey, here's the earth. Can you bring heaven here and do what you want in heaven on this earth that we've messed up so badly? And sometimes I'm right, and I'm lined up with what heaven wants, and it works out, and I'm like, that's awesome. And sometimes I'm way off, but when I invite heaven into earth, things happen on earth he says god already knows what you need he's got you there but when you pray you go somewhere where you can get close to the heart of your father and you invite the holy god of the universe who's going to squeeze out of you everything that isn't holy by being in the same presence and then you acknowledge you have permission god to bring some of that heaven to earth. And it's going to wreck everything, but it's going to wreck it for the good. Because I'm tired of the cycle that I'm spinning on here in my life. So God, bring heaven to earth in my marriage. You really want heaven to come to earth in your marriage? Because it's not going to be the same as, oh God, fix her so she does what I want. That's not the thing, right? Oh God, fix him so he picks up his socks so I don't have to strangle him with one in his sleep. Right? <laughs> That's not what heaven coming to earth in your marriage is going to look like. <laughs> I got a lot of amens on that, sisters. That's not heaven coming to earth. It says, hey, heaven come to earth in my circumstance. And that's what prayer does. That's why prayer changes things. That's why prayer is powerful. That's why, though God is the author of the universe and he is sovereign, God, but prayer, prayer still matters because it invites the power of God into your situation. And then things change. That's why James says you have not because you ask not. You don't have heaven coming to earth because you haven't asked and invited heaven into earth. So you're still controlling the thing that God gave you dominion of. You're welcome to do that. How's that working out? But he says, no, no, no. Go ahead and bring heaven to earth. I told you I have a whole series, so I don't know how far we're going to get with that. But here's what I, here's what I want us to do today. I'm going to give you just a model based on the Lord's Prayer that, that is just so simple because I want to give you a tool. So, so first we're going to do, what's awesome is we're going to do communion. So I'm going to bring the, uh, the elders forward. 
And, and as, the, as they come forward, I just want to, uh, we're going to worship a little bit, but I, I just want you to understand, no matter where you're at on your journey with prayer, Jesus invites us to get alone and honest and quiet with the Father. And when we do that, we recognize that he's awesome. We're maybe not so awesome. We invite heaven to come to earth. And the last part of that is we just thank him. Just say thanks. We trust you. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm okay with whatever your will is. So when Jesus initiated communion, he simply said, this is how you remember me. Often as he did remember, remember what I've done, what I've accomplished. Because we couldn't get our non-holy into God's holy on our own anyways. That wasn't even a thing until Jesus made a way for that to happen. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. We're going we're gonna to worship a little bit longer. The elements are going to go, and I'm going to ask you to just hold on. Take a juice, take a bread, and just hold on to that. And then we're going to pray together. And then I'm going to invite you. By invite, I mean literally challenge you in your gut. Pull out any competitive juices to just do what Jesus asked us to do. To spend some time, get alone, and talk to God. And say, God, you're awesome. I'm not so awesome. I recognize that. Would heaven just come to earth in whatever my circumstance is? And thanks no matter what. I'm going to invite you to do that. So God... Thanks for just being amazing and loving us so stinking much. Thanks for being practical and taking the, <laughs> the, there's mystery, but God, you want us to know you. And so thanks for giving us very simple, honest instructions on how to do this. And we want to do it. We want to see heaven come to earth. So we love you as we worship you and, and, and recognize what you've done. I just pray that you would even now begin literally setting a fire in us to do this because we want to see what it looks like when heaven comes to earth. Hallelujah. Would you worship with us as the elements come around? This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts and we'll forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I love that Jesus just acknowledges that your father already knows what you need. We talked about worry and we talked about all of those things. But what prayer does, it just addresses that we recognize that God knows what we need and we can get into but what about what I want he cares about that too but when what you want is for heaven to intercept earth then prayer starts doing things prayer starts doing things so here's what we're going to do Jesus on the night he was betrayed he took bread and he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this thing remembrance of me. We're just going to be honest and recognize that, I mean, the stats are that the pros don't do it. Right? 
Stats tell us the pros don't do it. And we need to do it. So we're going to remember that Jesus said this is how you pray. Take some time. Get alone with God, however you do that. Close the door. Don't babble. God knows what you need. It's okay to say it. But invite your Father to bring His holy presence into your life. He's going to squeeze out all the stuff that's in us that needs to get out. And then invite heaven into our situation. Would you take the bread, God? That's what we want to do today. That's what we want to do today. We want to recognize that you taught us how to do this thing. Is there no right or wrong way to pray? You're right. There isn't a right and a wrong way. We should spend time with you all day long. But there is a thing you asked us to do in order to be intimately connected to the Father. So we want to remember that. We want to remember that your sacrifice accomplished, that we could even do it. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. We can take the You see, a sacrifice accomplished that we can get into the presence of God when we pray. That's amazing. And the blood is what washes us so that we can recognize that though he's holy and we're not, he paid the price to redeem us so that we can, man, isn't that cool? Taking all the red out of our ledger, cleaned it up so that we can be in the presence of God. That's what the juice is about. So I want you to hold that for a second. I'm just going to invite you to do this with me because it's simple and I want to take some of the mystery away. Would you just for a moment in your own still quiet voice, would you take a moment, and we're just going to pray the way that Jesus asked us to pray. Would you take a moment and just say, God, you're awesome. I recognize how awesome you are and amazing you are. Would you do that just now in your own voice? However you talk to God, would you just acknowledge that you're not awesome, not on that caliber. God, I'm flawed, I'm broken, I make mistakes. Would you forgive me? And this is going to be dangerous, but if you have the courage to try it, because I know there's some circumstances that are just right there. You don't have to think about them to know what you need to be praying about. I want to invite you to ask heaven to come to earth in whatever the circumstance is that you need to see God's hands move in. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's physical health. Maybe it's spiritually a battle. Maybe it's emotionally. I don't know what it is, but whatever that is, just Whatever your will is, God. Not my will, but your will. When Jesus prayed in the garden, that famous prayer, he just he ended it by just saying, God, your will, not mine. 
even if it doesn't look how I would want it to look, would it be your will here on earth? And the last thing we're going to do is just tell him thanks. Thanks for loving us and thanks for being faithful. Thanks for making a way. That didn't take very long, did it? Some of you are like, it's taking forever. The game's on. I'm almost done. I was going to tell you one two-second story. I was in Bible college. And I was looking around and sizing myself up because I'm competitive. And I was like, wow, I'm not as good at this as some people. And I went to one of my professors who seemed to be good at it. And I was like, similar to what the disciples did. Hey, teach me to pray. Because I don't do it like I profess to do it. He said, all right, Mike, here's your challenge. Can you give the Lord two minutes in the morning before you leave your room? Just two minutes. He said, set a clock timer, like an egg timer, because it's the olden days. Two minutes. And when the dings, just leave. You're done. Give him two minutes. Two minutes of just quiet you and the Father. Do it every day for a week and then come and talk to me. You know what happened at the end of the week? It's like, dude, that's way too hard. I can't finish my time with God in two minutes. And he laughed and he said, well, that wasn't the point. The point was you could start your time. And take the time you needed. And there's not a magical number of, you know, pray for a certain amount of time and then it releases God. Don't go on babbling. In fact, some of us should work on shortening and getting to the point with God. Some of us should, I'm just saying. But can you give God two minutes this week? I would wager some 80% of us or more have a uh, within arm's reach in the morning a way to set a clock for two minutes. Right? Some of us are retired and we wake up when we feel like waking up and we don't even keep a clock around. You know, maybe the rooster crows and wakes us up. I don't know. But but <laughs> but listen, I'm just saying, can you for the next seven days be intentional and give God two minutes? And if you can't do it, awesome. I'm going to hope that awesome, it's because you had to give more. Give him two minutes. And just pray, God, you're awesome. I know I'm simplifying this. And some of you like, you can't simplify so much. You're awesome. I'm not awesome. Can heaven come to earth in this situation? And thanks. I mean, you should be able to do that in you know, a reasonable amount of time. And see if heaven coming to earth doesn't change your earth this week. Let's upgrade. Cool. Amen. Score on the game is just kidding. God bless you. Stand. <laughs> Stand. Woo! I almost lost you all. God bless you. Have an awesome week in the Lord. <laughs>